Jordan, welcome to the welcome to X Reader. It is the internet reading culture and appreciation podcast. My name is Michael, and uh, we got to just start off really quick today. You notice I'm talking really fast because we have a lot to do today. We don't have time to shoot the shit. We don't have time to get into a little he said, she said, but we do. I do think we want to like warm up a little bit. So lightning round, Jordan. I want you to give me a hot take, and I don't want you to justify it or back it up in any way. I just want the okay. hot take by itself. I will accept the hot take, and then I will give you one of my own, All and right. then we jump right into it. Whenever you're ready. You just want any hot take. You don't have like a... Just any hot take. I don't need to hear you justify it. I don't want to hear your reasoning. I just want that hot take. I want us to. I want you to set the scene for us. Oh, geez. Um, okay. Uh... <laughs> I think it would be totally just fine if Do- Elden Ring and all the Dark Souls games had an easy mode for casual players. <laughs> boom. All right, boom, hot take. Uh, my hot take is I don't think people should eat octopus. <gasps> you think yeah. they're too smart? You think that they, like, crossed the line? They're, like, sapient? Jordan, I can't back this up with anything. We, I told you that. There's no justification for it. You, that's my hot take. People should not be eating octopus. It's an animal okay. that should be left alone. All right, fair enough. I feel like even though yours like has a lot more bearing on like you know the real world and you know it involves a living creature, I think mine would make people more upset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, people would be. <laughs> Again, if you are just tuning in, because some of our more variety episodes are a little more new, new listener friendly. My name is Michael. My uh, co-host here is Jordan, and we tackle Welcome. internet culture. Uh, just from across the web, all sorts of deep stuff, readings, reviews, uh, short stories, long stories, fan fictions, all that good stuff, even news reports sometimes. And uh, today we're going to be tackling something that is really near and dear to both of our hearts. And I'm pretty pretty sure that it's not something that has been ever talked about anywhere else. I think it's... This isn't like, you know, some video about, like, uh, how Animorphs is actually really fucked up, you know? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't really think about that, you know? And you watch yeah. it. It's like, but everyone already knew that Animorphs was fucked up. They'd seen the covers. They didn't yeah. even have to read the books to understand yeah, that exactly. something wasn't right there. You know, this is... Uh, this is a... This is a I go as far to say this is a very special episode of X-Reader. This... The, the, the type of episode we're talking about here is we are... I mean, we do internet archaeology... But it's hard to find stuff on the web that it's never been found before. But th- this one in particular, I don't want to hype it up too much. But if you've seen Return of the Living Dead, this is me and that other dude going into the back room and prying open that that mysterious barrel. That's what we're doing right now. And whatever's going to come out, we don't know. But we all we know is that there's something in there that's never been opened. And we're opening it right now on this podcast. Oh, boy. Hopefully it's not a tar man. Yeah, I think before I reveal what we're actually talking about, I think we should talk about how we found this originally, because this is not something we found recently. This is something we've known about for almost 10 years at this point. Yeah, it would be like 2009 or 10, right? Isn't that when were we playing the game when it was new? Well, we'll explain in a second, but like how what it relates to. But because wasn't that the 2008 version of that game no we weren't we weren't even playing the game we were playing the demo that just had online multiplayer oh okay (laughs) because remember we played the demo had so much fun with it then we bought the game and all the servers were abandoned (laughs) (laughs) and we were like ah, well it was like five bucks yeah so um we 
discovered this website and what we're going to talk about today because we were playing the 2008, I believe, um, uh, Alien vs. Predator game on the Xbox 360. <laughs> um, and... In the multiplayer of that game, one of the aliens, um, you know, they're all slimy, and I and and they, you know, covered in slime. The walls are all slimy. The the biomechanical shit, the HR yeah. Geiger stuff. And I described the jelly shininess of them as a uh, ginkus. <laughs> yeah, he called it some ginkus. It was a it was a fitting word to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we thought that was really funny. And when you're playing a game and you start giving things their own nicknames, you know, that starts getting tossed around a lot. So I forget who was who, but we were killing each other. You know, Jordan was talking about the Ginkus. I was talking about the Ginkus. You know, we were running around as aliens or humans or, you know, uh, God willing, a predator once in a while. Because that game had a weird balance thing where, like, you could have, like, ten humans, ten aliens, and only two predators. So if you got to be the predator, it was, like, special. Um, but I think eventually the game ends and Jordan decides he's going, he's like, what is Ginkus? Is that something I've heard before? Is, is Ginkus like a word I invented or is that, is that a real thing? So he does a Google search and what does he find? Are you passing it over? Yeah, I'm passing <laughs> it over. Jordan, I'm trying to yeah. keep this flowing. What do, what do you yeah, find so, when you Google search Ginkus? So I went Ginkus? ahead and searched up Ginkus. How do you spell like, Ginkus? Surely it's G-I-N-K-U-S. And I was like, surely this is a real word. You know, I haven't just made this up, you know, or it sounds like a real word. Maybe it's on Urban Dictionary or something, you know, it's a real enough word, you know, for gunk, a ginky gunk, a ginkus. Yeah. Um, uh, So what we ended up finding was a Wikipedia page for a wizard named Ginkus on a fan wiki called the Blue Wiki. Now, it's not called that anymore. I don't yeah. I don't see any reference to that on the site now because we found it again recently, but that's what it was called at the time. Was Blue Wiki. And so it's got like this the page that we found has like a fun hand-drawn picture of a wizard and just walls and walls of text with links going in every direction, seemingly describing like an entire world created by the people who yeah. are like running this community. A mythos. Yeah, exactly. There is like um, that we've like found like some like niche mythology that is like seemingly written by like a handful of people that seems pretty well maintained. And that was like 10 years ago because we have we've talked about coming back to this for a while. We read multiple pages and we discussed doing this for the show, I think, as early as the first uh, incarnation of X Reader. So it's been a long time coming that we share some of the stuff from here. Yeah, it's. It, I think. I think on the page you can see that it, on the. Uh, if you go to discussking.com and uh, click on the X Reader tab or discussking.com/slash X Reader, and you're on this page listening to this, um, you can see that we talk about how. I, I almost consider this the first fan fiction we ever read. Technically, a fan fiction has to be something that is based on something that is pre-existing, which this really isn't. This is kind of its own own world that some person slash persons came up with but what's fascinating about this is that it's it really is so deep i'm on the uh the wiki right now and there are 1876 pages on the what is now called the paper computer games wiki um I think it was called the Blue Wiki at the time because it was before the like fandom company like purchased Wik- Wikia. Like it was when Wikia was its own like 
self-owned thing but then fandom came purchased it made a bunch of changes that's a whole can of worms we don't have to get into but um i think that's where the name change came from um and yeah we just went back and forth and we we spent an afternoon just reading this stuff and laughing and and just being amazed at the detail and like the sheer absurdity of some of the stuff the kind of upshot was basically if you've ever played or heard of Dungeons and Dragons or any sort of like role playing game where it's not a video game. It is something you sit down at a table, you roll dice or you you play with your friends. There's rules and and you try to beat the monsters or escape the castle or whatever. That's kind of what this was. This wasn't just a writing project that someone was doing, which I think we thought that's what it was at the time. But uh, through more investigation, it seems that no, in fact, uh, these stories were, uh, you know, generated from a small group of friends, it seems, uh, playing these kind of uh, role-playing games. But I think what is what is kind of the twist on top of that is that they weren't playing a Dungeons & Dragons. They weren't playing any game that was similar to that, like a, like a Pathfinder or, or any sort of, like, other RPG that might be out there. They, they had just invented it on their own. The, uh, the game itself is... Uh, still a bit of a mystery to me, but Jordan did discover a sort of a how to play video, which I think you said was published only like two years ago. Yeah, here I've got the link right here. Let me let me check on that. Yeah. So, um, the thing about the compute the paper computer games, it was published in 2017, so I guess it's like five years ago now, but yeah. still like way more recent than when we discovered the website. Yeah. Um, and the thing about the paper computer games is that based on that title and kind of the snippets we had read, I assumed that these wiki entries were basically modules for some sort of existing game system, like your GURPS or your special or, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons system. Like, but if, through finding this video from the creators of the wiki, what it turns out it actually is, is so much more weird and interesting. Um, it's basically... All of the drawings that you see of landscapes and of characters come from game sessions and you have a game master who has prepared this stuff and you sit around, he puts the picture in front of you, tells you what the scene is, and from there, there's no dice, there's no stat sheets, it's basically just uh, a an adventure game, like a King's Quest style yeah. old school adventure game where... You look at what's on the screen or the page that he's put in front of you and you tell him what you think your guy should be doing and he tells you if it gets you to the next page or not. Yeah, it's sort of like, like an escape the room sort of thing, but, uh, you know, even more freeform. Yeah, so like it's all... And I don't know how much flexibility there is in that for like how... The, if the characters are allowed to skirt the rules or whatever. Like the example that he gives in the video, is, which is a hilarious video. It's a guy talking to a version of himself who's wearing a hat and sunglasses. Like, <laughs> yeah. While he, like, it's very that guy with the glasses energy. <laughs> it really is. Like he's just like turned his chair the other direction or possibly even just flipped it in post. Like, <laughs> yeah, after, mirrored like, it. A, yeah, well, after putting a pair of glasses on and talking to himself. 
And um, so, like, he puts down a piece of paper that has a picture of like a of like a key and a door. And he says, "What do you do?" And the guy says, "I pick up the key and use it on the door." And he's like, "Excellent." And he goes like, "Then you get to the next room. It's now it's a key, but it's in a cage." And he says, "I grab the key." And he says, "You can't grab the key. It's in a cage." Yeah. And that's when. And then he just says, "So see, there are puzzles." Now I love that because I then the video ends, so I don't know yeah. what the puzzle was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, the puzzle was well, you got to find out how to get rid of that cage, Jordan. Yeah, see, Simple so, as that. It's basic, so it's basically just like an old school adventure game, like, but instead of having a computer that tells you whether or not your actions are like completing puzzles and like moving you forward, your friend is there doing it. Yeah. Which is like. Really? It sounds way better than one of the actual old adventure games. Because the old adventure games, presumably when you're playing this game with this guy, or, you know. Uh, there's there's leeway there's flexibility you kind of follow the rules of general logic whereas you play in those old adventure games there's no rules you're you're yeah. you're you've gone down the rabbit hole and you're in Alice in Wonderland and you never know how you're going to get out of there and you probably yeah. won't because the people who were actually good at those games were psychopaths yeah. <laughs> you know you got to switch to the cursor that's shaped like a foot in order to like move from screen to screen yeah. but you don't know which part of the foot is actually like the tip of the cursor and yeah. what edge of the door you need to click on you're like I'm trying the heel I'm trying the toes yeah, is exactly. it right in the middle um, yeah, you you, you know. click on the you click on like the cliff side so you can like shimmy along the cliff and like you step on one wrong pixel and the whole cliff side comes down. It's like, oh, you were actually supposed to step on this other pixel. And you're like, well, you know, I think I'll just play Mario. <laughs> yeah. See, so it's like combining graphic adventure games with uh, with a paper uh, pen and paper RPG, you know, in the sense that like the whole uh, like utility of like playing a tabletop rpg is that it's you have more um you have more opportunities for like a spontaneity in your adventure when you have a real person there mediating right versus like a computer that always has to react the same way to you know a certain set of yeah. actions so like um but you they're completely taking math out of it they're completely taking role playing out of it. I mean, seemingly. Like, I'm sure you could. I guess not. You could like role play with your character in in these like paper top games. Well, but I have to it, imagine like, that the role playing has come. That's where all these characters come from. Because I can't. I would. There's no. There's no clarity on the. We've learned a lot researching this, and we we all have. Me and Jordan both came with stuff to present to you that we thought was interesting, but. At least I didn't find any indication of what characters were like, quote unquote, NPCs and what characters were characters that the players were controlling. So like Ginkus is a perfect example. We're going to talk about the Ginkus page 100%, but I don't know to this day, was Ginkus a character that someone was playing? Was Ginkus a villain? Was Ginkus, you know, a, a side character? I don't know. You know, I don't know who Ginkus was. I know that he was a wizard, you know, but I don't know like what was the... What was the meta origin of Ginkus? Like, why did he exist? You know, I feel as though Ginkus is at least in some campaigns a player character, and that is because if you look at his special abilities, and you see this with quite a few <laughs> characters, it looks as though two kids were playing a game, and one of them said, "Well, I, you know, shoot a fireball," and he says, "Well, I have a magic water shield," and they say, "Well, I electrocute it," and he says, "But I am electricity proof," and yeah. it goes back and forth like that because. A lot of the Wiccus page... It's like page Calvin sort Ball. Of, yeah, a lot of the Ginkus page sort of reads like that. And some of the other characters I've selected also read that same way. Like, there's a one-upping going on yeah. like during the during the gameplay session, you know? Um, 
<laughs> yes and yes and <laughs> exactly yeah we're not we're not yucking any yum here we're yeah. all <laughs> different thing but you know all but yeah. <laughs> listen all we're trying to do is get that key out of the cage all right you know however you do that is fine by me <laughs> but but i can turn into a snake it's like ah but but all snakes are afraid of this cage <laughs> <laughs> damn it foiled again <laughs> So what we've gone ahead and done, uh, because it's difficult formatting something like this. So yeah. the idea we came up with is that we were just going to choose a top five. Um, we each have five articles that we're going to share. I imagine there will be some overlap. Ginkus is, of course, on mine. I yeah. imagine it is on Michael's as well. Yes. So that's okay. But just so that we have some framework to work with inside, because we could ramble on different, I mean, just scrolling down the popular pages and related pages. You could just hit random pages. page over and over and every and just read the first sentence of each page, and that could be the podcast. That's how yeah. interesting and ridiculous this stuff is. Yeah, so where should we start? Uh, what? Do, who wants to go first? And I, I have think, not put mine in any particular order. So I think we just start with Genkis because we introduced him already as a character. I say... Uh, it's crazy. Can I say that it's just crazy read that we Ginkus. started, that we found the wiki through Ginkus because he is like a cornerstone of the universe seemingly. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a, what, what is, what is that the equivalent of? He's like a character, not, not Truman Show. He's like, he's like Forrest Gump, basically, where like he's there for all of the most important paper computer game events either as a hero a villain there's multiple points in the ginkus page where it talks about how he like may or may not have been somewhere at some point in time it's like well how do you not know was he just in the background or something you know he's sort of like the watchers in a marvel or the or the astari you know in like he's more than the the watchers he's more like stan lee he just he makes a cameo (laughs) in every in every one so yeah, why don't we? Why don't you read us that that like first paragraph, the summary of Ginkus, and maybe okay. we'll read a little bit more. But All let's right. at least read the summary. So Ginkus, what you, Ginkus was originally known as the King of Zarelta. Yeah, and you can you can read it like the Codex from Mass Effect if you want. Yeah, <laughs> Ginkus was originally known as the King of the Zarelta people. But little is known about the true nature and origins of this mysterious guy. <laughs> He's certainly an incredibly powerful being, although the true extent of his power is yet to be revealed. Well, damn, when will it be revealed? Because this is a very long page. This might be the longest page on the wiki, so it better be revealed soon. <laughs> he has been everything, from a sorcerer to a king to a giant robot. And yet, the true him is just a man. A man with a power staff. His staff is the source of much of his power, and it is capable of creating incredibly powerful blasts, among other powers it grants. <laughs> Ginkus has been seen across time and history in many different forms at different places. He seems to generally be a tremendous force for good. But what are his true motives? I like that there's 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 dra- drama being built up in the neutral description of the character. <laughs> but what do we really know about Ginkus? <laughs> Ginkus' history may reveal more about him, although much of it is shrouded in the mists of time or lost to history altogether. We have many clues in our records as to what Ginkus has been doing over the past thousand years. What follows is an attempt to piece together his history as accurately as possible. This is like an epistolary. Well, I was about to say the end of that makes it sound like we're reading something on like the SCP Foundation. <laughs> it's yeah. like we've used scraps of recording and interviews to try and piece together what really happened to Ginkus. <laughs> I also so like it's uh, yeah. 
I like that. I like that. Uh, his staff is the source of much of his power, but not all of it. <laughs> Just a lot. So maybe this article should be about his staff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, d- I don't see a link to his staff, although maybe there's one further down. Um, there's a link to the mists of time. Yeah. Which. I thought it was just a turn of phrase, so no, I don't know. There's uh, a hot link in Mists of Time. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, it's it, goes d- to, it goes to AOL.com. <laughs> what? What do you mean it, <laughs> it goes, goes to, to AOL.com? It goes to AOL.com. If you click you're, on that You're link. right. It does go to AOL. <laughs> Why did they do that? I don't, I don't know. Um, well, hold on. Before <laughs> I, I have a part I want to read, but before we get there, I also... Could you read us... Um, in there's a, there's a box on the side of the page that says biographical information. Oh, yes. Could I you read us all of Ginkus's names, please? <laughs> I would very much like to read his all right. names. <laughs> Thank you. Let's see here. Okay, so for Ginkus's names, we have... <laughs> uh, King Ginkus of Zarelta, second of the 23rd throne of the land, defender of the people of Zarelta who support the throne and the country for which it stands. <laughs> that is the full thing. That's I amazing. thought it was going to be a list of aliases. That actually comes down further in a different spot. So that's his full name. That's like some fucking Game of Thrones shit. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me let me read aliases. Let me let me take okay. a crack at this. Okay, so Ginkus a- aliases. He's affiliated with the Zorelta people. Aliases include Gankors, Gangar. G- oh, jeez, Louise. Gangagrith, Guineas the Mage, Industria human name, Senator of Babel, Sloth Umbrian name, etc. <laughs> I, I'm surprised one of them wasn't just his name backwards. That oh, seems yeah. like, uh, you know, at some point he would have go by Sicknig. Sucknig. Yeah, I wonder why he hasn't gone by Sucknig. In history, the first part of history, which is an extensive section, which we will not be reading all of, but there's a part that says origin, and this is what origin says. Ginkus's origin is unknown and not even hinted at. Some have theorized that he was paradoxically formed from nothing at all. <laughs> Are there any other chunks of Genghis that we want to read? We should probably read about some of his some of his adventures. Exploits. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're all so long, really. Like, um, like I what I let's just go down here and I will just read like the little like bullet points on like some of the photos. Okay. And maybe we'll pick like a full. I was gonna say. I was gonna say you should read the section uh, under Ginkus's dreams. That's probably. We'll go ahead and do that. Let's yeah. See. I want to hear. I want to hear about Ginkus's dreams. <laughs> Ginkus often appears as a simple silhouette during this period. Here he's seen atop the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is one of many different forms Ginkus took. Sometimes he was wildly different and not even human. Okay. Ginkus really, dreams really drives that point home that he's not human. So don't even don't even think that he's human. Yeah, he's a Shree or something. It's set up at the top. He's a fucking. I thought he was a Zorelta. No, no, no. His affiliation is of the Zorelta people, the but Zorelta. his species is a Shree, and then it says human. So, but they just told us he's not human. So not even. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Shree is an ancient world with a long history, located in the Mesdora Corridor. There were once many nations on this world until conquest brought it the number down to two. Ooh, <laughs> the last two that nations, sucks. Yeah. The last two nations fought a long and bitter war until Ginkus, king of the Zorelta nation, negotiated peace. Since then, Zorelta had been do- Zor- the Zorelta had been the dominant power on the planet. 
Well, okay. It makes it sound um, like Genghis started it, though. <laughs> it was like, sort of. There was a long and bloody war until Genghis said, all right, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, no more. <laughs> okay, so Genghis's dreams. While he was kept in stasis, part of him left. He took many forms, often fitting into various scenarios. He visited alien worlds, even different dimensions. Many times, he was even unrecognizable, except for his trademark power staff. <laughs> it's got a little fucking Imbaz uh, G on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which is the source of much of his power. He was building up his energy, secretly waiting to be awakened with enough power to take back his country from the Croden. He waited in this manner for at least 1,000 years. During this period, a warrior named Nazareth became aware of Ginkus and for some reason became determined to hunt down and kill the former king of Zarelta. So there there are a lot of like religious names in here. Not, yeah. Nazareth is not the first one to appear. I, I forget, but there's I, another I one noticed that as well. Yeah, I actually have a have something to say about that. Although it's there's, it's spelled incorrectly, it does say Nazareth. Nazareth. Yeah, right. but but, uh, but I I can only imagine that that was inspired by the 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 biblical city Nazareth. But one of the things I found is that there is a spaceship uh, called the Tabernacle, and a Tabernacle is a Catholic. It's a Catholic vault where the Eucharist is held between masses, um, which is just a weird name for a spaceship. Um, that's some like that's some like uh, Final Fantasy bullshit where they just pick a random word that they don't know what it means, but they're Japanese, so they're just gonna borrow it, <laughs> you know. To continue Genkis's dreams, it says Nezareth is amazingly powerful, or he never would have been able to catch Genkis. As it is, he hunted down and engaged him in battle. The battle raged on and on, and at times it seemed that Ginkus might actually die. However, Nezareth mysteriously vanished. Ginkus kept up his guard, but Nezareth never returned. Um, and I guess that was from Zach's sketchbook number one and Zach's sketchbook number two. Yeah, so something to note here is that in most of the wiki pages for the characters that have been used by multiple creators, um, there is art and it varies wildly in quality. Um, like some of them look like they're drawn by children or just people who you know don't draw who are who are not very talented. Whereas others like are you know like actually incredibly detailed. So like and possibly traced <laughs> from somewhere else. Um, like one of a couple of these, I'm pretty sure are like literally from Final Fantasy. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> But, like, yeah, so, like, this is a... I know we said it at the beginning, but I want to emphasize, like, the group nature of this product. This is, this is like, a, a, a collaborative effort, like, yeah. from top to bottom. Although it didn't used to be, because I, I very distinctly remember when we first discovered this site, we thought it was... It, it made mention of a bunch of different people, like, different players, quote-unquote. But every single article was written by the same like username so we were just like oh this guy's a crazy person he doesn't have any friends he just invented this whole thing but on the website now not only are there multiple contributors and people who comment on the articles like a real wiki but there is a discord with like something like a hundred members am i quoting that right how many does it actually have is this gonna do it You've been invited to Paper Computer Games. There we go. It's got 126 members. All right, so there you go. So you can only imagine that at least, you know, at least a couple dozen of those people are active participants, you know, even if everybody else is lurking, you know. Oh, that's so cute. When you sign in, a little bot welcomes you, and it says, I hope you brought a pen and paper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so now you're a part of it? Yeah, I'm a member now. I say we move on. 
We talked about yeah, Ginkus. I say we have to move because we got a lot to cover. We do. We've introduced Ginkus. I think that's a good one. Um, my second. Oh, where'd he go? Shit. Did I lose him? Um, my my second one. It was uh, I went for Alton. Do you have Alton? I have Alton on my list as well. <laughs> on I, your list? I okay. think I think if we talk about Alton, we also have to talk about the the villain of the Alton the, story. The, the dastardly Johnson? Which is John Son. <laughs> yeah, are, John Son. There are these okay, two characters right. that are like <laughs> inseparably, they're like intertwined. It's like Batman and the Joker, basically. And one of them, his name is Alton, and one of them is named John Son. And the reason we're pronouncing it that way is because it's spelled J-O-H-N-S-O-H-N. <laughs> it's not Johnson, it's John Son. <laughs> I knew this was gonna happen. I knew that we would just yeah. end up choosing all the same stuff, which so, is which is fine. <laughs> uh, why don't you read us? Uh, wait, I think which one is the villain and which one is the hero? Because I think we should read. Johnson is the uh, is the villain. Johnson's the villain. Okay, so well, in a way, I mean, in in Alton's story, certainly. But yeah, I, they're I kind of like yeah, they're they're both antagonists in each other's stories. Here, why don't you read Alton first? And then we're going to read about Johnson, okay? Yeah. Johnson. Okay. Poor Alton was a man who purchased a space station, Midway Station, intending to have business there, a refuel-slash-restock station, where ships from all over the galaxy would stop, refuel themselves, and buy a souvenir while they were at it. Unfortunately for Alton, his space station was poorly placed and it never found business. He found himself stranded alone on his own space station while his wife stayed on his planet and started a relationship with some jerk named Johnson. All right, so <laughs> let's pause Alton's story there. Let's flash over to Johnson here. Let me read John, what Johnson has to say. <clears throat> Johnson is a poor, eight-armed guy who lost the use of all of his arms due to a debilitating disease. Thankfully, he's able to be an efficient engineer thanks to his skill in acrobatics and ability to peck buttons with his nose at an incredible rate. He's a crew member on the legendary starship Tabernacle, serving as the ship's engineer. Notice that Johnson's uh, summary makes no note of how he's banging Alton's wife. <laughs> yeah, it's like that fucking bit from Mad Men, that clip everyone loves, where the guy says, like, I feel so sorry for you, and... Um, and Don Draper just says, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, brutal. Yeah. Fucking John. Johnson's got bigger things to worry about. Yeah. He's fucking some guy's wife. He's, he's He has eight arms and none of them work. That's a lot of dead weight. Yeah. He's doing. They're just dragging around. They're limp. Yeah. He, apparently, he has, he's very acrobatic. So what? He's doing flips. His arms, spaghetti arms are flying all over. He's pecking buttons with his nose. Yeah. He's got a really pointy nose that's good for pecking buttons, among other things, ladies. And he yeah. can do some really sweet acrobatics. He probably has really muscular legs if he can do acrobatics with no arms. All right. So, <clears throat> Alton's history, school and camp. At some point as a kid, Alton attended a school on Earth where he knew Manny Alvarez. He was the pervert, always making sexual innuendos. <laughs> he came along on a nature hike and also to camp. And then choose your own adventure. Choose your Don't pwn adventure. Choose your PWN adventure. Don't get pantsed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it is not known how this story reconciles with his appearance in Balzac Globutron. It is possible he grew up on Earth before somehow ending up on another planet. It is also possible this may not be the same Alton, but another version. Chris has confirmed that it is the same guy, though he added it could also be his grandson. <laughs> so we don't know. The fucking the story keepers. You know in what, this Chris? Are not why'd sure. you even say anything if you weren't going to clarify it? Yeah. Don't tell us don't tell us what the answer is if you're not going to tell us a real answer. This has a little bit of like a, you know, like a, I'm not too mad you used Alton, but he is my OC. Don't steal. Except like if you could see what Alton looks like, you would not You don't worry want him as an OC. Someone taking him for you. He looks like a dirty, sad old man yeah. with like a bunch of tools sticking out of his pants. Yeah, he's a he's a filthy man with a long white beard. Uh he's only 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> yeah okay he's, he's, he's a little manly he's yeah. only 5'5 five, five. yeah that's he's why his wife left him he's 5'5 five, five. now I wouldn't say 170 is, is overweight but when you're only 5'5 five, five <laughs> as a man I think that is a little chunkarungus yeah um Maybe they weighed him when he had his tool belt on. He looks yeah. like he's handy. Well, with, when he's uh, on Midway Station, he probably weighs less because it's in space. That's right. And I actually have Midway Station as a link here as well um, in a separate tab. Although there's not really much to say about Midway Station. It's a space station. I think what's funny about Midway Station, the station that Alton like built. That and, nobody, like, that nobody on, goes to. <laughs> it used to go through what was basically like like Highway 66 in America. It was like a traveler's route. Yeah. But then they built a space freeway. Yeah. <laughs> Which is straight <laughs> out a, of like, uh, that's straight out of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That like they built, a, they're building a freeway through space so yeah they built the space freeway that was a more direct route so nobody went past midway station yeah. anymore so he lost all his business yeah well i don't even <laughs> think he had any business to begin with <laughs> it was already a lemon yeah. when he bought it yeah someone so, sold him um, a, a rotten deal on that on that space land it was a bad investment. I thought that was a funny detail. And I was thinking, I was like, what does this remind me of so much? And there's the freeway from, um, I'm sure that this has been done in like many like bits of fiction. I don't know where they filched it from exactly. But um, it reminded me a lot of something that came later as well, which is um, the Sevasta, Sevastopol station in, uh, in Alien Isolation. Because isn't that the story of that? It's like a giant mall in space that was supposed to be like a big deal and cost a billion dollars and then like just went defunct. Um I, I couldn't anyway. I couldn't say I don't actually remember much about that game, but it all comes back all to right. aliens, doesn't it? <laughs> really, though. Um, so uh, so that was his school and camp where he hung out with a pervert named Manny Alvarez or possibly Alton was the pervert. I'm not actually. Certain. Yeah, it's a little unclear <laughs> um, the way it's written, but I like the idea that Manny Alvarez is just some dude that they knew in real life who they decided to immortalize as a pervert. Yeah. Manny Alvarez was a 12 year old who was trying not to get pantsed. He just knew if he got pantsed one more time, that would eternally be his legacy his life would be over <laughs> well apparently he failed because it is his legacy <laughs> so there's only a little bit more on alton well hold on let me read a little bit more about manny <laughs> okay we're switching we're switching back to manny ba <laughs> or to johnson backstory johnson? manny has been pantsed by matt reichman many times it was at risk of becoming his legacy last year at camp matt pantsed him seven times for as he put it standing like a wiener <laughs> <laughs> now underneath that it says trying not to get pantsed Manny was determined to not get pantsed again this year and made a series of humiliating choices to avoid it such as throwing himself into the bushes during a nature hike that's all it says that's the entire page 
So how do you think that game was played? You just sit down, put the piece of paper in front of your friend, and it's just a picture of you, like, standing there looking nervous, yeah. and, like, a guy who's going to pants yeah. you and says, how are you going to avoid getting pants? And Matt Reichman. It kind of blows that fucking Manny gets immortalized as a pervert, even though he was the one being pantsed. Yeah, dude. Some guy said, like, I like the look of your wiener and pulled his pants down. Is that what he said? You're standing like you got a nice wiener and <laughs> pulled his pants down. You're standing like you are a wiener, not that you have a nice wiener. <laughs> You're standing like you got a wiener worth looking at. Yeah. That happened in that happened in PE that one time. Do you remember whose wiener came out? Clarence got pantsed by that. There was that shithead that was in our PE class. He thought he was really funny, and he he was pantsing people, and he pantsed Clarence. And instead of Clarence freaking out and pulling his pants up, Clarence just turned around while he was still squatted on the floor and just put his dick in his face. <laughs> Do you not remember that? I'll never forget That's it. Incredible! I don't <laughs> yeah. remember that, but I can I can see it perfectly. It was powerful. It was the ultimate power move. <laughs> the ultimate. He really reversed the pants on him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go back to. There's only one little bit left for for. Oh, Alton. finish up Alton, finish Alton now. Finish up Alton. Yeah, on mid. So that was uh, his his time as a boy on Earth, mm -hmm. um, which may or may not be like. Um, congruous with this version of reality yeah. and then we've got midway station lonely and depressed alton passed the time as best he could one day however everything changed for him when a canister from deep space impacted on his station opening the canister he found a series of perfect metallic spheres these soon connected to each other via electromagnetism forming balzac globutron oh. we will visit later yeah another amazing <laughs> character if only for his name <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't long, however, before aliens attacked the station and abducted Balzac, leaving Alton alone on his station once more. Weeks later... Sorry, something popped up. Weeks later, Balzac returned to the station aboard the Tabernacle, bringing with him a whole fleet as well. After repairing a, and servicing the fleet, Alton was invited to abandon the station and come with them. He gladly accepted. So that's Alton's entire um, entry here. Yeah. But we already know who was on the Tabernacle... And that would be its head engineer, Johnson. <laughs> oh, what a... So let's oh, hear shit. about that. What a twist. Yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> hilarious that 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 you... you you. First of all, you got to feel bad for Balzac because Balzac, he's, he's stuck in a canister. He crashes into a space station. He thinks his life is going to turn around and he's immediately abducted by aliens. That's just... Isn't that just the worst? But let's talk... Yeah, let's finish up more about Johnson, uh, crew member on the legendary Tabernacle. Um, unfortunately, we don't have how tall Johnson is, but I can only imagine that he's taller than Alton. John's son apparently came from the same planet that Alton is from, which I guess is just Earth. Does it didn't say that Alton Maybe. was from Earth? Well, I thought it said that it was uh, uh, Midway Station, Galaxy, unfortunately, Space Station. Where does it say he's from? Yeah, it doesn't say. Uh, I'm not certain if he's from Earth, though, because as no, it says here... Well, it says he attended a school on Earth. It doesn't necessarily Yes, but it's not known Earth. how the story reconciles with his appearance in Balzac Globutron. <laughs> it's possible he grew up on Earth before somehow ending up on another planet. Sure. It's also possible this may not be the same Alton. Yeah, so, so there's we a lot can of, just say he's from, he's from Earth. There's a lot of wiggle room in this wiki. John's, John's son apparently came from the same planet that Alton is from. And the two yeah, all the eight-armed people coming from Earth, you know, it's the future. And, and maybe. <laughs> and the two and the two were good friends. However, after Alton got trapped on a space station and remained there for at least a year, Johnson began to have a romantic relationship with Alton's wife. It is unclear how far the relationship proceeded. I know how far it proceeded, but Alton's <laughs> wife informed Alton of it via a subspace communication. Either way, yeah, text. Yeah, <laughs> she she texted him. She 
You've been gone for at least a year. I've been counting the days till I could get till I get nose pecked by Johnson. So Johnson, no, not the guy whose arms don't work. Yeah, the guy whose arms don't work. You heard that right. Either way, Johnson left the planet to become an engineer aboard the starship that Balzac Globutron would later come to command. It is unclear whether his relationship with Alton's wife continued long distance or not. It did. or But it can be speculated <laughs> that he left the planet specifically to avoid such a relationship out of loyalty to Alton. He wasn't. <laughs> no. It was sort of... Uh, that's a very altruistic way to look yeah. at his uh, hit it and quit it. Yeah, I think Johnson might have uh, might have edited his own Wikipedia page here because he definitely was receiving nudes from Alton's wife. And they definitely were consensual. <laughs> <laughs> Aboard the ship, he was a good engineer. He always had the engines in running in top shape. When Zuvac 2.0 hijacked the crew, he managed to make it all the way from engineering to the bridge through the ventilation shafts before collapsing under the nitrogen dioxide which Zuvac was filling the ship. Balzac later <laughs> saved the day, and John Son continues to serve aboard the ship. So there was a whole pirate attack by Zuvac 2.0. Yes, I okay. Do you have Zuvac on your list? I don't, I don't but he's in, he's in my mentions um, because I just my want mentions. to. Well, he's sorry, he's in my um, my honorable mentions. So let me just I just really quickly want to read the description. Give for us his, yeah, give us the summary of Zuvac because he does appear quite quite in a few. He's pages. in quite a few stories, and yeah. I think there's many um, there's multiple like versions of him. You know, we've got 2.0 and 0.0, and um, <laughs> Zuvac is a mechanical clown on a stick. That is to say, he is a highly advanced sentient machine which resembles a clown head atop a metallic stick. In actuality, more of a tripod. Zuvac <laughs> represents billions of dollars worth of machinery, but he's much more than a simple machine. <laughs> well, if he's billions of dollars, he probably better be much more than a simple machine. That's expensive. <laughs> My now, goodness. The picture that they've chosen to represent him yeah. uh, looks just like a smiley face, uh, like with with crazy hair coming out of it uh, on, on a tripod, just like it says. So I, I just wanted to read that part. So this pirate that flooded the place with ammonia gas or whatever. Uh, nitrogen a fucking, dioxide. Uh, nitrogen dioxide is a is a fucking head on a metal pole yeah. with crazy hair. <laughs> <laughs> which which really leads me to believe that everyone in this universe is an idiot, because if you're getting outsmarted by someone who looks like that, uh, you probably don't deserve to have a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, but their head engineer doesn't have arms, so... He has arms, you know. they just don't work. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, all right, you know, open that wound. Yeah. Uh, Zuvac has devoted his life to the struggle against evil and utilizes human agents in his quest to do right by the world. However, there are also other darker sides to Zuvac, which rarely come out remnants of his past so we don't need to read any more of Zuvac yeah. uh, you know we might revisit some of this stuff in another episode later down the <laughs> line anyway but I wanted to get that in because Zuvac shows up in like is referenced in quite a couple of the articles yeah. and I I found his uh appearance ridiculous yeah I think I think second only to Genkis Zuvac is probably mentioned in the most articles Alrighty, so we've we've gone through Alton Johnson and the Midway Station debacle I have a I have an article I'd like to read. Okay, yes. What what is your next do article? Do you have Ape Ball on your list? I I do not. All right. <clears throat> Let me send you a picture of Ape Ball really quick. Here's an Ape Ball. <laughs> My goodness, he looks like um he's stoic. He looks like Yeah, he's like a he's like a big hairy-armed version of like the Betamax. <laughs> or what's his name? Something Baymax. Max. 
Baymax, yeah, not Betamax, not a big cassette. Um, <clears throat> so here, let me yeah, get my so, Codex voice on. He's like a freaky marshmallow man. Who is this man? He's kind of cute. He's got big round fingers and a big bear body and a and a marshmallow for a head. Well, you might be disturbed to learn that they're not as friendly as they appear. <clears throat> oh, it's it's like a species? The ape balls are a vicious, predatory species of primates. They aren't especially big, but they are nonetheless amongst the deadliest creatures known to man. They're near invincible in combat and are always hostile. They're incredibly vicious. In all games in which they appear, their presence signals death. They are short and small, but incredibly strong and fast. They have razor-sharp fur which slices through nearly anything. The basic type of ape ball is blinded by bright lights, but ape balls have developed many separate forms that are invulnerable to light attacks. See, this is that shit I'm talking about, <laughs> where like they discovered that the light worked, but then the next time he put them in, they said, I use the bright light. And he said, no, actually, this one is wearing big, big old sunglasses. You're going to have to do something else. He said, I throw a rock at the sunglasses. They said, oh, he's, he's, he fucking, he, he played Little League. He batted the rock away. <laughs> they come in several types. The basic type, as described above. The sunglass type, which wears sunglasses <laughs> and is slightly smarter than its other counterparts. Fucking told you. <laughs> the frog type, which has enhanced ears and jumping ability, as well as an elongated tongue. And finally, the space ball, which is named for a high-tech ape ball with advanced armor and weaponry. What what stories do these appear in? Who's gone up against these? Zack has fought the eight balls. Zack, which is spelled with an X, appears in a lot of these. I think he's the originator yeah. of the wiki and many of the characters in it. So here are um, the appearances of the eight balls. Uh, the eight balls make their appearances in the following com paper computer games. Zack to the Future, which was their first appearance. Uh, Malfoid, <laughs> the mailbox bot. Uh, and it says, uh, Malfoid finds an eight ball in a cage in the fungus zone, and he must complete a puzzle before it breaks out. And then uh, below that, it says, minor appearance. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds pretty major. Uh, Spaceballs, an advanced spacefaring tribe known as the Spaceballs, are introduced. They appear in Balzac Globutron. Uh, Balzac finds an eight ball being mind controlled by a telepath on the planet Shree. Uh, welcome to the Death Ward Hospital. Uh, tutorial bots passed. The Adventures of Kid Funkadelic Jr., Pokemon Stop, <laughs> and Worlds Collide. I like Pokemon Stop. Pokemon Stop's good, <laughs> and in uh, in Worlds Collide, it says Dog Ape Ball can be purchased at Sluice Face <laughs> Face's shop. I want to look at Sluice Face. Who is he? Yeah, please bring us to Sluice Face. I, I, I'll just read the description, but it says the wizard Sluice Face was a powerful wizard, a being who has attained such power and magical purity that he's just a head with a really long beard and a cape coming out of his neck. He's infamously <laughs> known for having a tattoo of XS on the back of his head. Why is he called... What do you think that stands for? What is he called? Is sluice face. I don't know. What is a sluice? A Isn't that like a thing that water comes out yeah, of? Yeah, a sluice is like... It's basically like a... It's like yeah. an open pipe, basically. Maybe that's... You know, his neck is open because he's just a head. Do you want to read us another page now that we've uh, learned Maybe about ape balls? Yes, I... I <laughs> So I, I have a couple of really tiny short ones that were more like um, like special mentions or my la my final full one, which is Balzac, Globutron. So give us a short one. OK. All right. So here in the paper computer games, original world universe, we have Chewbacca. <laughs> the Chewbacca? Okay. 
Uh, the Chewbacca. Oh. And we also have the Trilenium Eagle. So let's go ahead and, <laughs> and read these. I like the Trilenium Eagle. That's good. Yeah. So uh, Chewbacca, or Chewie for short, was a Wookiee originally from the Star Wars universe who had contact with and ultimately became stuck in the PCG universe. Damn it. History. <laughs> Chewie was the crew of the Millennium Falcon when a powerful space station called the Death Star threatened to destroy a rebel base. During this adventure, for reasons unknown, Ari's consciousness merged with him temporarily. Series 1, Star Wars A New Hope. So Ari must be the player character from Ari is an adventurer. Yeah, he's one of Zuvac's agents and a friend and co-worker of Zack. I just feel he's also like... the brother of Colette. I just feel... <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> I just feel like if I was watching a movie, um, I was watching a, you know, John Carter of Mars or a... Or a what? What was the one with the the models, the land of a thousand planets, or whatever? Oh yes, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just feel like if I was watching one of those things, and then at one point some character crosses his legs and like closes his eyes and goes into a trance, and then all of a sudden I'm fucking watching Star Wars <laughs> and Chewbacca, his eyes snap open, and he goes, "I'm needed elsewhere." You know, I would be, I would walk out of the theater. <laughs> I think, I think I would be done. That would be the last straw for me. I don't know if I'd go to movies after that. If they could just like <laughs> just change it into movie? a different movie. Yeah. Yeah, I would look. I, it was it was a short psychic transference. All right, I'm sure Chewbacca came back and and got shit sorted in time for the sequels. Um, Good. Later, Chewie was pulled into the PCG universe, where he became part of the crew of the Trilenium Eagle, briefing Gans, which I assume is like Han Solo. <laughs> Of course. Although I'm not certain. And Eltris. And the three of them traveled to the Mesdora Corridor, smuggling nerdy materials and opposing evil empires everywhere. No, not the Mesdora Corridor. There was a bloody war that's being waged there. Yeah, the fucking Ginkus has to fight the Ereldon or whatever. Uh, they often ran into trouble from pirate ships and once were forced to make a landing on Mordriff, where they encountered Balzac Globutron, who persuaded them to join the fleet. From then on, Chewie often accompanied Balzac on missions. One such mission was a return to the Invasion Aliens warship, where he helped to take over the ship. The Invasion Aliens is an interesting... Um, really short entry because it basically just says we don't know what's up with the invasion aliens <laughs> um like we don't we, we don't really have any idea the invasion aliens are a mysterious extraterrestrial group who are extremely violent very little is known about them other than that they successfully invaded earth what well that we should probably know something about them if they no. invaded the planet no, very little. these aliens are a humanoid species with backwards bent legs their faces have never been shown as they wear strange opaque masks their seat their feet seem to only have three large toes they seem while their to hands have six fingers they seem to yeah, but we, they actually have seven large <laughs> yeah they're just hiding behind each other yeah. in sort of a fan shape no. uh so yeah that's uh yeah gans was a nerd and smuggler of nerdy materials he was the pilot of the trilenium eagle so yes gans is his hand solo <laughs> and he was frozen in barbonite <laughs> <laughs> yeah see so this one really does um tie into you know the our show because there is some fan fiction happening here we've pulled uh, chewbacca indigo on adventures with balzac yeah <laughs> All right, so those were those were just a couple of short little ones. <laughs> um, all right, here I, I got a, I got a short one. This is from an article called "The Fat Guy," but there is a um, there is a sub article 
called The Perfect One. And then underneath that, it says 2006. What are you sending me? Is that a fat Mario on a Yoshi? That's Ginkus Jr. I don't have time for this, Jordan. We have a lot to get through today. (laughs) In 2006, the fat guy achieved one of his goals. He became so fat that he was a perfect sphere. Once he reached the landmark achievement, he began thinking bigger than he'd ever thought before. Instead of simply blocking passageways, the fat guy used his newfound perfect roundness to block off the Panama Canal. He considered it as the first task as the perfect one. Conventional weapons failed to remove him, jet planes bombed him, and submarines torpedoed him to no avail. A short time later, he attempted to increase his perfectness by gaining more weight. He gained so much (laughs) that he became a small planetary body and attempted to munch on the moon before he fell towards the sun. (laughs) oh no don't oh no he was blocking the panama canal yeah but he wanted to become perfect and i think we can uh, through girth i think we can all you know uh understand that he's gaining mass compulsion (laughs) yeah well the story goes on okay good maybe he's inside the sun eating it as we speak in a desperate attempt to save himself the perfect one expelled a large amount of gas to propel himself away from the sun and this gamble paid off. He pushed himself into geosynchronous Earth orbit, where he blocked out sunlight from getting to North America. For how long? What do you mean? He just, like, hovered over North America? Like... At some point, when he was planetary size, Newman landed on his body in a spacecraft and began building robots, which turned into a full society. To the inhabitants, the new world was known as Zoniat. Some, including Lilt, didn't know the world's true nature until the collector told him that they were living on a fat guy. <laughs> I, I, this is my favorite guy. Are there any illustrations on this one? There's tons. You send me He's this just one? a circle uh, with a face usually, though. <laughs> he became a planet. That's inspiring, ladies and gentlemen. You can be anything. I'm going to send you up. the one where he's blocking the Panama Canal because that's the best picture on this page. Okay. <laughs> it's great. Oh. <laughs> the government's oh of, uh, the toll. There's a three dollar fifty toll for the Panama Canal. That seems cheap. Yeah, I thought it was thirty five dollars, <laughs> but I guess you're right. It is three fifty, isn't it? Three fifty bucks to fucking to cross through on your fucking steam on your giant fucking cargo <laughs> your ship. Your paddle boat. That's not bad. <laughs> the governments of the world launched a fleet of quantum transmogrification missiles laced with SlimFast. The combination worked, <laughs> blowing him up. Unfortunately, however, this attack split him into hundreds or possibly thousands of miniature copies of himself, many oh of which like were roughly <laughs> the size of the perfect one he was when he first blocked the Panama Canal. Why? If he was just peacefully living as a planet, he was blocking out the sun. On him. Well, just move him then. I mean, there were there, apparently. Him blocking out the sun was not too big of a deal that, like, people could exist and live for uh, long enough for society to begin to establish itself on his surface, you know? So, like, how long did that take? I don't know. And also, robots. what happened robots to all those people? Faster. They murder them? Oh, but that's, I mean, they seem like they're sentient robots. I think this is a some kind of war crime. One copy, one of the copies of The Perfect One made his way to the Death Ward Hospital, where amnesiac Charles encountered him. Charles found him slightly familiar, despite the fact that he had changed significantly since he was last encountered. In stark contrast to the suit he had worn at the time, The Perfect One now had a long, Zuvac-like straight hair and wore a metallic emblem on his chest, which displayed the mathematical formula for the volume of a perfect sphere. 
Charles was able to trick this copy of the perfect one into eating a cookie which contained Slim Fast. This seems to have neutralized that particular copy. Jesus. What? what, why? What threat was he, you know, uh, posing? He was just hanging out. He was too fat. Rolled up, rolled up to the hospital, you know, and they're like, we can't get the gurneys through the hallways here. We're going to have to kill this man. What a fucking freak, dude. I love the, like, a, a medallion with the volume of a perfect sphere. <laughs> he's a big he's a big nerd. Actually, I take it back. <laughs> there is one more part I want to read. Like I said, the fat guy is one of those very long articles, but I do want to read this. Um, uh, this says prelude, and then it says main article. It just says gluttony. Uh Far before any previous encounters with the fat guy, Adam encountered a suspiciously fat member of the Umbrian race during his biblical adventures at the beginning of time. During his explorations of the city of Babel, Adam learned a group of Umbrians who had formerly been the human senators of Babel, now personified by their sin. Our fat guy was one such senator, and he was identified by his sin, which was Gula, or gluttony. Prior to his existence as an Umbrian, he was known as Saluna by the original human name Temperantia. When he encountered Adam, his ridiculously massive shadowy body, if you could call it that, gleefully prevented Adam from passing through a sewer passage in true fat guy form. He was vicious as well, and he had tentacles at the base of his massive wings supporting him, and he would grab Adam and attempt to eat him. What? What? What is happening? My eyes are glazing over. I feel like we're listening to <laughs> Devil May Cry fan fiction. Is this... What is happening? Here's the Umbrian fat guy. See, like, who drew this? It's not the same person as... And also... Oh, it's so tiny. I wish there was, like, a larger version. But, um... Yeah, he's got, like... He's got, like, piercings and uh, hundreds of tiny hands underneath him. This is a nasty, nasty man. Yeah. Where are his nipples? He's got no nipples. He's like, well, he, he's perfect. Yeah, he's he is perfect. <laughs> Nipples are, if anything, just an imperfection in the human form. Um, oh, I don't want to keep going on this too long, but there is a fat guy family tree if you want me to read it. Oh, there's even more perfect ones? Yeah. So wait, is the perfect one just his initial form, or is that what they all refer to themselves No, as? I think the perfect one is once he just got bigger than the Panama Canal. I think that's. I think before that he was just the fat guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was this a terrible picture? It's scary. He's like the fucking judge from Blood Meridian. It's an awful, pale white specter of death. Yeah, he doesn't look good. He looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh monster. He does. Um, he has the face of like the of like the evil pot or whatever. Yeah, the greedy the greedy pot, pot of greed. Yeah, the greedy pot. I was pretty close. Oh, go ahead and read me the family tree of the fat man. Right. Then I've got one last one that I want to read to you that's short that I just think is a little humorous. And then let's go ahead and do the timeline and Balzac and whatever else. All right. Sounds good. The fat family. Our records have turned up numerous beings similar to the fat guy in numerous respects. Well, was it just because they were fat? Because if that's the only qualification, I feel like there's a lot of people in that category. Oh, I should have I should have read the next sentence because it answers my own question. Some of these are biological relatives, while others simply took after him or coincidentally became supernaturally obese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This includes the fat lady, fat guy junior, a.k.a. little tyke, uh, the fat <laughs> spirit, the fat guy's dead mother was still nagging her son from beyond the grave and definitely yeah. didn't approve of the fat guy having a dog. Why? <laughs> uh, the fat guy's father, even fatter and more deformed than the fat guy. 
the fatter guy, this wannabe fat guy, thinks he's fatter than the fat guy, but everyone knows he isn't. <laughs> That's really funny. And then the Bride of Perfecto, a gigantic artificial fat woman created by the scientists of Earth in an attempt to save Earth from Perfecto, who I can only imagine is an, is a, an alias of the fat guy. <laughs> Yeah, because the perfect one in Perfecto, I mean, that sounds pretty close. Yeah. They So they, like, tried to, like, bride of Frankenstein, like, make him, like, his own, like, fat wife to calm him down. Yeah. What in the world, dude? This is incredible. This is my new favorite guy. <laughs> the fat guy. What the fuck? <laughs> is that his son? Is that little tyke? I don't know. It's hard to say. Hey, look, that's the formula for the perfect sphere. <laughs> I mean, it must be. Maybe, what do you think O stands for? Oh, the perfect one, of course. TPO. <laughs> TPO. So, I don't know what to make of this, Michael, but uh, I think that <laughs> I think I know a man who could lift the uh, lift the perfect one, even at his uh, largest size. Really? When he began to eat the moon. All right. Yeah. Tell us about him. I'd like to hear that it. That would be a Mister Yashunagheimer. Yash. Yashuganaheimer. Mm. Yashuganaheimer. Now, which, in the wiki, it's spelled with a J, Yashuganaheimer, and then pronounced, and I was like, oh, this is going to clear it all up for me. Spelled exactly the same, just they put a Y there, so you know to pronounce the Y, (laughs) the J is a Y. Because he's Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) Which is incredible. So, um, here we have Yashuganaheimer. Yashuganaheimer is a German bodybuilder who has been kidnapped and thrown on a plane which was headed for an unknown destination. Aboard the plane, in a box, in fact, in parentheses, he encountered a chubby man named Hans. Hans was difficult, and the spike on his hat proved troublesome for Yashuganheimer. So, Why did a German World War for I him? soldier uh, in a box. <laughs> uh, but the two found themselves working together soon enough. Together, they managed to escape the plane. However, their adventure went from there as yet to be revealed. We have some of our best scholars working on it. Not to worry. Oh, so good. That's I'm not worried. Yeah, so that's the entire article. But the reason I grabbed it is because I think there's a couple of them like this. So there has been a 3D rendering of him here. Yeah. Uh, if, if <laughs> And they used the like monster-making video game from the Nintendo GameCube, uh, Amazing Island, to <laughs> recreate this character. Wow. Well, that's amazing. I tried to get you to play Amazing Island when we were emulating stuff <laughs> months ago. I know ago. it wouldn't work. It was like one of the only games I could get not to yeah. work. I should try it again. I just like that detail that like this one, this entry that is like so short, that has nothing. It seems like the like campaign they were running with him didn't even finish, but they went ahead and like made a creepy little facsimile of him <laughs> in the video game. Yeah, some homunculus of Yashuganaheimer. So, the, so that's it. I, I've done all of mine except Balzac. So like, um, who is like the other major player besides Ginkus. So where where should we go from here? Well, I'll, how about I read you some of the timeline? Um, <laughs> this is funny. I'll read you some of the timeline and then we can uh, maybe we'll close out with Balzac. Give our final okay. thoughts. Um, so there are three. There are two timeline pages. There's the timeline says this is the timeline and the chronology of the events taking place in the PCG universe for the updated timeline visit new timeline although the new timeline has way less detail than the than the original timeline so I'm going to read from that article there are two pages there's one that says the detailed timeline which has you know a timeline and 
a couple paragraphs. And then there's the quick timeline, which is only one sentence. (laughs) So I'm going to go with the detailed timeline. The timeline at a glance. So before our time or the universe, there was an event or a game called Antempus. Then there was the beginning of time, which included Genesis and Exile. Then we're going to fast forward to a thousand years ago, where we encounter the last of the Zorelta. Hundreds of years ago, we have a couple different events. The Pride and Death of Jew Jice, uh, the Untitled Western Adventure, and then in parentheses it says, unpublished but incorporated into the fabric of reality and the Nazi machine would have featured Ned Norwegian. No idea what that means. Uh, after that is the witch hunt, the time travel adventure, title forgotten, the one where the farmer is first encountered. I like that. You know, the one with the farmer, you know, the way we first met the farmer. That's the one. It goes right here. Um, we go to the fast forward to the 1950s and there is a, an adventure called the Nazi machine. Um, I don't know. I guess the Nazis were still around in the fifties in the PCG universe. Sure. What are you going to do? Hiding out, building a time machine in Venezuela. Yeah. Uh, in the 1990s, Series 1, uh, there is the paper computer game proper, which I guess is the original, uh, the Sewers and Zuvac game. In the 2000s, which is considered the second series, there is Till Time Do Us Part, Relics of the Sea, The Evil League of Evil Ness, The Alien Abduction, The Ancient Secret Under Shree, The Mansion of Mystery, and Balzac Globutron. And in the 2010s, the Spaceballs era, there was Spaceballs, Dino's Quest, and Tutorial Bots Past. So again, I think this is an incomplete timeline, but... I mean, it sounds like we've got quite the series of events there that we could pull from. Yeah. Is the Tutorial Bot... Who is Tutorial Bot? Well, you look that up. I'm going to tell you really quick the legacy of the Nazi machine, which says, The Nazi machine was a giant mech of incredible destructive power during World War II created by the Shadow and sold to the Nazis. The Russians, specifically Boryshkinov, tried to steal it for them, but it, but Agent Zack interfered. So <laughs> Agent Zack was helping the Nazis? <laughs> Is that what I'm reading? <laughs> um, and then Legacy, it says, the machine became a prototype for Zuvac. So Zuvac's lineage is Nazi death machine. <laughs> okay. But he wants to do good, except in his darker moods or whatever yeah. it said. So maybe the Holocaust was one of those. Yeah, yikes. I do like the, I do like the twist that Zach, who we thought was a hero, is actually a Nazi. I mean, it didn't say that, did it? It said it <laughs> said that the Russians were trying to steal the Nazi machine from the Nazis, and Zach stopped them. That's what it said. <laughs> well, maybe he stole them for himself. Okay. Hopefully. I mean, it didn't <laughs> say not. that he stole them. It just said that he prevented the theft. Well, I'm saying maybe he prevented the theft by stealing oh, it on I his see. own. Sure. You know? He just didn't want anyone to have yeah, it. Yeah, you know? sure. If we could just make up our own story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, I, don't, I don't see you with a pen and paper out, Jordan. No, I want to hear about Balzac. Because Balzac, I think, about. more than Ginkus even, was our personal favorite back in the day. Yes, we loved Balzac. I was looking at the tutorial bot because I was like, is he the guy from Sonic? My brain won't let Sonic connections go, but it's not. That's Omachow. But he is the first thing I thought of. Um, okay, so Balzac Globutron. Yeah. Here we go. How do you spell Balzac Globutron? So it's, it's Globotron. Yeah. I always say it Globutron. Globutron um, sounds a, better. It's easier to say. It's a colloquial it's, name. 
B A L Z A K G L O B O T R O N. So Balzac Globotron. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna keep calling him Globotron. Globotron. Um, Globotron sounds better. Balzac Globotron is a sphere child searching for his origins and to find out about his nature. He's a crew member aboard the legendary starship Tabernacle. Wait a minute. He's not and a crew member. He doesn't he run the show? Isn't he the captain of the Tabernacle? Well, he wasn't even. I think he becomes the captain. I'm not certain. We'll we will find out, won't we? All right. Sorry. Uh, and the ahead crew of myself. informally accepts him as the ship's captain. So informally. So he just gets to walk around and, you know, like, uh, <laughs> sort of like... It's funny to be an informal captain. Yeah, he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, when I feel like it, you have to listen to me. But we can just horse around otherwise. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. And I mean, also, to be fair, like, a captain on a ship is just the one who gives orders. You know, he doesn't, like, pilot the ship. That's the pilot, you know? He doesn't, like, yeah. run the boiler or The whatever. helmsman. Yeah, he just tells people what to do. So, you know, I mean, I guess that's Balzac's like, eh, I'm like, uh, I enjoy the perks of being a captain, but I don't want all the responsibility. Yeah, he's like, don't think of me as your captain. Think of me as your friend. Yeah, but but I will throw you into space if you, yeah. <laughs> if I catch you slacking. Yeah, but don't stress about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, he's like projecting uh, all of these ideas as thoughts directly into your brain because he's a collection of floating spheres Balzac Globitron, crew member aboard the legendary Starship Tabernacle, and the crew informally accept him as the ship's captain. He also has his own personal shuttlecraft, which he stole from an alien race who had kidnapped him. So those are the kidnappers who are the gotcha. invasion aliens with the three toes and the eight it's fingers. It's all connected. And the, and the black faces it's all connected. Sorry, they, they weren't doing blackface. They had opaque masks. Balzac Globitron here, full name, Balzac Globitron, species sphere child. <laughs> now, this is a curious uh, part, portion. Known relatives... It says Ginkus, father, uh, I guess. I don't know. We'll have to read on to see the connection there. Because Ginkus, while not human, is also definitely not whatever Balzac is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, then we have Ginkus Jr., possible brother-in-law. <laughs> and Fizral Globotron, brother. You know, and Fizral is a very, very short entry. He's another sphere child. He's the sibling of Balzac Globitron. He shares Balzac's abilities. Um, so I like that know. it says here that his height is roughly 6'2", and his weight is surprisingly light, no more than 40 pounds. <laughs> yeah, he's just like a bunch of like a, like hollow aluminum spheres or something. I don't know. I mean, he's I like something you'd see outside of the Children's Discovery Museum. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not exactly certain, you know, what his all of his properties are. One of his aliases is, G is Jim, which I like a lot for when people can't pronounce Balzac. You know, I mean, he's a he's a traveler. You know, sometimes it's simpler to just to just go by Jim. Balzac Globitron was my father. Call me Jim. Blood type electromagnetism. <laughs> his special powers are enhanced strength and speed, the ability to change his arrangement, shape at will, the ability to fold up or extend himself beyond his normal body size is at least as durable as the metal he's made of. <laughs> sure. But, like, that's just, that's not anything. That that's, ev that's every object. Yeah, at least as durable as what he's made of. Very good. <laughs> Same. Uh, <laughs> can relate. Can give slight electrical shocks at will, depending on the amount of power currently in his body. Have I described already what he is? That He's, he's a collection of spheres shaped like a man. Yeah. Like, if that wasn't already obvious. Um... And then I like this down here. Other abilities, none known as of yet. So if he had other abilities, would they not just be put up in the special powers category? Well, they're not you known. Know? Oh, I guess that's true. 
Yeah. I mean, how am I supposed to put like, an ability? I don't know. But th- th- then again, I feel like you could put that on every article, though. Other powers? None known. <laughs> well, that's that. Exactly. That's what I was saying. So we don't know. The Sphere Children have some other unknown abilities. So um, he's got sort of a long entry, but we can just start at the beginning. In his history, uh, in his childhood, Balzac was created on San Shi, S-Z-A-N-X-I, uh, by Ginkus, working with the scientists of Future Lab. He was among the first to be created with his brother, Yapolit. The three of them were initially close. So they mm. were they were homies, him and Ginkus and Yapolit. However, after the Future Lab staff betrayed Ginkus, all of... All 200 of his brothers, the Sphere Children, escaped in canisters and ended up in different locations throughout space. Balzac lost his memory for unknown reasons. Well, maybe... It was the shock of escaping. Yeah, maybe it was being like, you know, uh, having all his balls disassembled and crammed into a tube and shot into space. Well, that's kind of a bummer. Like, you're living your best life, and then somebody pisses off the most powerful being in the universe, and you have to just abandon your home. Yeah, Dad, aren't you like a mega wizard? You know, I know that only most of your powers in your staff, but could you try to, like, defend our position here a little bit? Sorry, son. I'm gonna have to send you and your 200 brothers off into the great black yonder. That is a weird contingency. To be like, oh no, we're being betrayed. Space Run. everyone. Yeah, what about, I mean, there's 200 magic ball people that can... That are at least as durable as the metal that they're made of. You think that they could defend themselves. That's honestly, that is my favorite line on the whole wiki. That's my favorite. His metal, he's at least as durable as the metal he's made out of. Could literally apply to any object. These all have such like a pure and non-cynical kind of like style, like everything on the wiki does. I love it. it it's it and it it none of it goes like sexual or weird, like because uh, it's not like the quality is so much of the world building or whatever is that much better than a lot of like the fan fictions we've read. It's more just that like it's so wholesome and like uh, just nakedly like like friends making up dumb stories starting when they were kids in the video he says they started it when they were like teenagers maybe even younger so some mm-hmm. of these stories i think were written by actual children who are still at it <laughs> like which is yeah. incredible it is um, incredible these people are definitely old enough to have been like to have like graduated into more like robust robust complex role-playing games that have like rules and and you know objective objective challenges and goals but they have refused and they have only continued to add to this yeah it's like patrick and spongebob like in the box you know in the imagination episode like that is like this is that writ large um so uh reawakening an amnesia for balzac a man named alton found a strange canister in space and brought it aboard his space station. And see, it's good. We've read about Ginkus and Alton. It's good we saved Balzac for last because it's all tying together. Yeah, we really picked only articles that were connected (laughs) (laughs) somehow. Which is, I think, fine. I mean, that's because I went from Ginkus and from there is where I picked most of mine. So, I, I you know, I had a, a sort of a loose plan. The only ones that were not connected at all were like, you know, Chewbacca. But even then, he ended up on the tab- tabernacle. So, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so, I mean, who whom amongst us hasn't served a, a, a month or two on the tabernacle? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We've, I, you know, on my mission. Everyone's done a tour on the tabernacle at some point or another. 
Alton discovered that they were all connected to each other through electromagnetism. He's talking about the collection of metallic He's talking spheres. about his balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after removing the spheres from the canister. Um, the connection was growing stronger. Soon they were causing each other to float in the air. After a few days, the fe- the spheres had formed into a man. Alton named the strange creature Balzac Globotron. Wait a second, but all his brothers have the last name Gro- Globotron. It was a good guess. <laughs> you don't think it like set it on the outside of the tube? Maybe the tube was where he had grown up and lived as well. Maybe that was like his crib. You know, it's like Superman's rocket. <laughs> he's like Superman. Yeah, he has a he has a big B on his chest, and he's like, it's not a B on my planet. This means Balzac Globotron. <laughs> <laughs> Just means balls. My yeah. planet. Just means balls. Because we're all made all of, of balls. Yeah, it means what it means one whose wife will never cheat on him. And Alton goes, <laughs> With the resources of the tabernacle, Balzac was able to begin searching the entire <laughs> Mesdora corridor of space for answers. Goddamn corridor. You think with all this fantastic space technology, they could have like gotten that man's eight arms working again or got him some kind of hover chair and like, uh, well, I guess he can walk, but you know, some sort of like <laughs> psi apparatus. I don't know. Oh, I'm starting know, to think that uh, somebody knew something. Someone had a grudge against John Son. Yeah, you know who it was? It was Alton. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was like, you're fucking my yeah. wife. He's like, no, I'm not. He's like, not yet, but I've seen. Balzac has shown me the future. Um, Who's Balzac? It's like, you'll never understand. <laughs> Among the first planets they visited was Shirek, which was Mat- <laughs> Matak Ro Shivej's homeworld. There, Balzac met Matak's people, the Triptosians, including Matak's murderous cousin, who was convincing the Triptosian people to join the Alliance. Okay, this is just a bunch of fucking... Where's some, where, where's some more of the good good? We got Shri and Beyond. I really should have read ahead on Balzac. It's it's mostly just the fact that he ties into so much that is so interesting about him. Yeah. The very first drawing of Balzac Globotron Bridge, and in fact, the first screen ever drawn for Balzac Globotron, like the um uh the adventure cell. Uh yeah. to the left is Chanai and Matek Roshivev both very similar to their ultimate depictions. The right is a chair intended to be a captain's chair, where the main character is intended to sit. The man himself is absent. Ironically, the chair itself didn't make it into the game. Above and to the right is an early form of Bob. Now, the picture that I'm looking at is like, I can't tell what any of this is supposed to be. <laughs> it's mostly dead space. Yeah, it's just a bunch of just a yeah. bunch of white nothing. Yeah, yeah I, Michael's already got it up. <laughs> And then right, right underneath that, it says Globozak Baltron. The, the creator decided he needed to come up with a name. Unsatisfied with either Jim or Jerry, he asked others for advice and received two main suggestions. Globozak and Baltron. Mulling over these names, he decided why not use both. And Globozak Baltron was born. However, the name didn't quite sit right. For one thing, the name sounded too close to Gaius Baltar, a character from Battlestar Galactica. It was only when he mashed up the names, creating Balzac Globutron, that everything made sense. And to that I say, you literally have Chewbacca from Star Wars in your game. I don't think you should be mad that a name sound has a passing similarity with a Battlestar Galactica character. Also, if they're trying to, like, clean up their fucking own history here and pretend that Balzac doesn't come from Balsack, I don't <laughs> fucking believe it. I you think that they're it? full of shit. No, I do not believe it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ball sack Globotron. I mean, come on, dude. If that was yeah. just a coincidence, then 
I mean, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> State of the art. I've learned a lot today, Jordan. <laughs> I have too. I'm glad we finally dove in. I don't know how entertaining this one will be, but I'm very tickled by. I'm the very entire, entertained. <laughs> yeah, by by the entire assortment of tales here. Uh, yeah. One thing about Globatron is that, like, uh, he also in here has a picture that looks like they was created using that um, amazing the island game. game. And yeah. I have to wonder if that's where they got the original idea from, is from a monster from that game. Because I don't feel like, I don't know what the creation tools are like, but I don't think that they, it seems like too big a coincidence <laughs> that there is a ball man. Not that it's, like, the most original design ever, but... um. I'm looking at all the drawings, and I'm not happy really with any of them. Very unique. <laughs> I'll give them that. But I'm not, like, uh, I'm not thrilled with any. They've got sort of this weird, like, some of the balls are too far apart. And then, like, the, the balls in the middle of the body are big. And some of the balls are, like, bone balls, like shoulder blade balls. But others are just, like, regular balls. I don't know. I, I would like to see, maybe I should draw my own and upload it. Do you think they'd be okay with that? Just start. You just start vandalizing the wiki with your own stories. I mean, it's or you mean, you just mean you just to. mean drawing your own, drawing your own like renditions of pre-existing characters. Yeah, yeah, and then just uploading them. You know, there's a there's a section on the wiki somewhere. I forget how I found it, but there was like a draw a character a day contest where Zach would set the character and then different people would have to draw them. And so through these, there are a series of illustrations of. Um, what's the guy's name? Zopo or uh, where is he? The fucking clown on a stick. There are a bunch Zuvac. of pictures of him. Yeah, there's a bunch of pictures of Zuvac. Hmm. Um, do you think this is the type of community we would be welcome in? Or do you think that it just looks like it's really open, but actually it's pretty <laughs> exclusive? Well, here's what I have to say. And, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, um, off the show, on and off the show about the whole, the prime directive kind of conversation, which is that, if we've discovered something, should we ever interact with it? Um, I think there's one, on one hand, you have reaching out to the creators and maybe asking them. And I think it would be fun someday to do an interview episode where we just line up a bunch of Skype calls or a bunch of Discord calls, whatever. And we just like one after another have like 10 minute interviews with a bunch of as many of these authors and writers and creators that we can. I think that would be amazing. Um, I do think there is a difference between doing that and adding on to something that exists. I, I am against it. I can't, I can't, I don't think that these people would be against it, but I do think in some way it does tarnish the purity of the, uh, of the find, you know, it's like you, you did, you find a, a missing Da Vinci painting and you don't, you don't like add your own, you know, paint to it. You know, you, you leave it as is it's, it's a work of art. Michael, I think That's you're how I a feel. hypocrite here, okay? Because you've clearly hitched your wagon to my star, but you don't want me doing the same thing. What do you to mean? The, to the PCG <laughs> fandom wiki. What are you talking about? No, ne never mind. If you know, you know. So, you know. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? When, when have I done this? Uh, exploiting my talent, you know? A, a parasite on my, uh, on, my, on this wonderful project of mine. Is that Balzac? Yeah. Oh no, that's See, Zuvac. That's oh sorry, yes, that's Zuvac. I think what a nightmare. That, <laughs> oh, someone made a 3D one. All right, so uh, we have to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, <I think. laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So according to Michael, we, we, we need to leave them in their little fucking capsule and not interact. And you know what? I tend to agree. We should we should not yeah. disturb the uh, the sediment sitting at the bottom of the PCG yeah. fandom. You never know what you're going to unearth, you know, awaken. Uh, anyway, all right. How do you want to wrap up? We've been rambling for a while. I think there's been a very successful uh, <laughs> dive into the Blue Wiki uh, defunct name, the p- Paper Computer Games, as a genre. And by the way, in that YouTube video, the guy makes it sound like this is like a a trend that is going to sweep the nation. You know, yeah. make your own PCGs. You know, contact. He wants it to be like for- the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, like this is gonna go viral, like doing like yeah. little uh, fantasy, like imaginary games with your friends. It's it's bold. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He he can only it's it's he's betting with no collateral. You know, worst case scenario, nothing ever happens, and he doesn't lose he doesn't lose a dime. Best case scenario, this guy gets raised up on the shoulders of giants and is celebrated for the rest of time. So. I, uh, I don't really see a downside to this. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of X Reader, uh, keep in mind that we normally don't uh, do things as self-indulgent as this episode, but we hope you enjoyed listening about the Blue Wiki, about the PCG paper computer game community, and about all the interesting characters that they have written. Feel free to check it out yourself, but uh, my advice would be to, uh, you know, keep your distance. Don't disturb them. They're, it's nature. You know, you don't you don't go and disturb nature. You go and you you view it. You enjoy it. You uh, you support it. If you want to ha- listen to uh, more episodes of the X Reader podcast where we do fan fictions, reviews, articles, all sorts of goofy, fun stuff, you can go to discussking.com slash X Reader or go to discussking.com and click on the X Reader tab. You can also download our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that good stuff. But you will only get the entirety of our back catalog on the website itself. All right, folks. Next time you consider falling down a wiki rabbit hole on the Warhammer 40k wiki, uh, maybe consider going to the PCG instead. And with that, we bid you adieu. Yeah. Um, go ahead and listen to our back catalog and uh, have a good week. computer there the two monitors in my face the light right on the other side of those windows <laughs> yeah you got your heat bed on you got your like reptile warmer mat like it's under important. your butt i don't uh my body yeah. doesn't process you gotta stay yeah you're in an incubator i don't <laughs> you gotta stay don't at hatching temperature heat. i've got a i've got a condition <laughs>